This is the one with a bumpy landing. A Ray-Ban. A lady in white who's good. Dudes in black who are bad. And a green baby everyone seems to think is perfectly normal. It's called Delta and the Bannermen. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space Counting Daleks, Dalen, Oot and the Cybertronic race Tontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please Episode by episode we're trudging down this temporal Come join us on this odyssey What other choice could there be than Who back when? Who back when? Well, hello, beautiful people out there in podcast land. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Or Doc Past, indeed. I am Jim, your lead host, as it were, for this serial, this episode of the podcast. And mm-hmm. that little voice you heard <laughs> there was the lovely Leon. Hello, Leon. Oh, hello, Jim. Hello, podcast land. Yes, it is I, Leon. How goes it? It goeth well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, whatever. But what are we talking about? We talking about this episode, Delta and the Banner Men. Yeah. C one fifty, as we have dubbed it. Holy moly. Yeah. Holy yeah, holies and molies. Were you aware of the this? The holiest of molies. <laughs> No, I was not aware of this serial. I'm happy if I could return to that state, to be honest. <laughs> oh, this, that's very interesting. Yeah, let's put a pin in that reaction. <laughs> this is not the serial uh, I thought it was going to be, by the way. I was wholly okay. convinced that this was going to be a medieval story. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you were you were surprised and uh, disappointed or just, oh, okay, it's not what I thought it was. Yeah, I wasn't disappointed because I know I had a particular medieval story in mind that I thought this might be. And I'm not disappointed because I know that we still have that to look forward to. It was just an unexpected joy. (laughs) (laughs) Joy is the word you're going for. Okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah, you've sort of Um, hinted at it, but did you like this serial, Jim? (laughs) Oh, by jinkies, I did not. (laughs) No. Okay. I think there probably is some fun to take from it if you were in the mood to do so. I was not. I was just annoyed. (laughs) That is completely fair. I understand where you're coming from because I share some of those sentiments. I think this is either either the worst serial I've ever seen or some of the best Doctor Who there's ever been. (laughs) This is on one of either side of that spectrum. And I have yet to be convinced. I look forward to you convincing me. I have a feeling I know which direction you're going to point me in. And you're probably right. (laughs) I I already have a guidebook. Your backpack is all ready for you. There's a car waiting. Mm-hmm. We're going straight to its shitville. Don't you worry. Absolutely, yeah. And just just in case, I've got a tooth with cyanide inside of it. It's fine. <laughs> We're going to be fine. <laughs> well, whilst we settle in for that journey, how about we segue smoothly into a bite-sized chunk of who? Oh, so smoothly. Yes, please. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize So take a view, and grab a brew, and listen to this overview This free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who 
Chunk, chunk of who? who? Landing on a super interesting space station, the Seventh Doctor and Mel B win a free trip to 1959's Disneyland, which elicits in said companion an inordinate level of exuberance. Thus, with a legitimate reason to adhere to budget cuts this week, off they plop to our part of the galaxy, where they bump into a satellite and crash in Wales, thus avoiding the further cost of a trip across the pond. Also along for the ride is a white-clad silver egg-toting princess from a war-torn world populated by green dudes battling bad guys dressed in black. Wonder if that's going to factor in. It will! Gavrock, leader of the bad guys, is after the princess for a reason we're not privy to, and thanks to the interventions of a bounty hunter we won't explore further, travels from his world, that we learn nothing more about, to Wales, which is much cheaper. Now, with all protagonists, tourists, bad guys, a beekeeper, and two American spies about whom we'll learn nothing more, assembled at a butlin's, action, adventure, and and rock and roll are sure to ensue. Peace cow over. Cow over. <laughs> you, <laughs> you are welcome. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best or worst. I feel that's that's a fair dilemma to be faced with. If you come out of this saying this is the best cereal ever, no. I'm done. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm breaking your <laughs> nine-year streak. <laughs> We're just done. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be completely right to do so. I get it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah. I, you've probably got loads of opening questions, but I'm just, I just kind of want to hover around the start of this serial to start with. Yes. Because I really feel like that sets the tone. Because what the fuck was going on? Why are they. Oh, my God. That is my opening question. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there toll stations in space? And why why is the TARDIS getting caught up? Like, what the fuck? What is going on? Oh, wait. <laughs> my, my question was, I literally have written, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and But it's not necessarily about the toll station, but you're absolutely right to question that. Because what? Since when? Why? Who monitors this? <laughs> Yeah. Do people go there for organized trips? It seems like they do. I don't understand what this place is all about. Why don't we get to see the inside of it? Yeah, I don't know, man. Th there's also a war a brewing. What's up with that? Yeah. Did Doc and Mel go to this toll station to pay a fee before they cross into a particular part of the galaxy or something like that? Well, there's chatter where it's like they're a bit confused what's going on, aren't they? I don't know. I didn't really understand what was happening. I looked up the transcript on our beloved Chakotay site and there seems to be a mm -hmm. scene which they have which I don't think I watched which is lots of voiceover and bits in the TARDIS with the toll booth person telling them that they need to pay this stuff and, and yeah. I remember like little bits of that but I feel like there was an, an extra scene or something I, I don't know I just was just like no this doesn't fit in the universe we have been told about for at this point what are we like 25 years <laughs> that that is very true but there's quite a lot in this episode or in this serial that doesn't fit with the universe that we've gotten to know since yeah. 1963. Do you feel that this serial, and I don't know if this is valid for the entire rest of the McCoy era, but do you feel that this is almost a comic interlude? Is this just an anomaly in the universe? I fucking hope so. <laughs> <laughs> So I take it you don't remember this from when you were a kid, for example? No. Literally, the only memory I had was the Paradise Towers pool robot. Oh, which I see, is right. The yeah, tiniest yeah. thing of anything. Yeah. I have, I have vague recollections of seeing Daleks, and I knew Ace, and that's about it. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not expecting to have any, any more kind of like, oh, I remember this moment. So, yeah, set your expectations low in that regard, Leon. And that's Hawk fine. I shall world. withhold <laughs> any further questions in that regard. <laughs> I also 
hold on to the right to occasionally go, wait, this this broadened my my memory and suddenly I'm having loads Absolutely. of childhood trauma come along with for the ride as well. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So yeah. one other thing I can think of that felt very, like it was kind of a tiny thing, but it really felt like this was changing the rules a bit, was suddenly a white flag is a universal, like, and I'm using that Uni- literally. Yeah, universal. A universal t- sign of like truce and peace. A white flag. Yeah. Fuck yeah, off. and somehow you can be held accountable if you act aggressively in the presence of one. This is a dude who's been killing civilians by blowing them up or shooting people in the back or whatever else. Yeah. You'd think that a bit of fabric shouldn't be a massive problem for this dude. And the annoying thing is it worked. Doc just yeah. orders them to free, I think it's Mel and... I can't remember who, who's tied up with her. Is it Billy? I don't know. No, I think it's it's not Burton. It's the gap with... Ray. <laughs> the gap. Yeah. It's the guy with the most blatant gap in his smile. The guy who runs the... Oh, the camp leader Mottlins. guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's jumping around all over the place. But did you have any other universe-breaking things? Well, oh, there are so many things that make absolutely no sense. But can can I ask a question about whole? Does is this an anomaly kind of thing? Because there's one, mm. there was one vibe that I got throughout the entire serial, the entire thing. And this is just a three parter, by the way. Like it's shorter than they normally are, which I feel good format. Stick to it. <laughs> Stick to this format, guys. <laughs> Did you also get Douglas Adams vibes? I don't mean good Douglas. I mean like Douglas Adams directed by Ed Wood. <laughs> Did you get Douglas Adams, but with wobbly sets and nonsensical plots vibes? No, I didn't. I actually weirdly got that with Paradise Towers, and we didn't talk about oh, it. Yeah, oh, maybe it's I like just, it. yeah, you're right. Do you think it's just the 80s-ness of stuff? Occasionally pops up, and it's just, it feels like this was the era that he, he did a lot of stuff in. Very know. possibly, yeah. Maybe it's just, it's part of the zeitgeist. People are expecting sci-fi to be slightly satirical and humoristic and absurd and farcical and so on and so forth yeah to be clear this is a big reason why i didn't enjoy this is because i didn't think it (laughs) had any charm or satire or yeah (laughs) comedy like i felt like everything was intentional and it was just shit (laughs) yeah no i get it i absolutely get it that's the possibly the worst bit of doctor who i've ever seen in my life kind of vibe that i also got (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. almost as though it was written by some someone sat down went hang on what is it that our audiences enjoy right now oh our nielsen stats tell us that most of our viewers read hitchhikers or enjoyed city of death or whatever so try to write something along the lines of what Douglas Adams would, but then the person who sat down to write this didn't know the alphabet and didn't know anything about basic <laughs> story structure, and this is what they came up with. And happened but- to be a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> But exactly the right monkey with the right typewriter at the right time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Sorry. Well, just like building on what you said, I really just kind of got the impression more and more through watching this. It just didn't feel like a Doctor Who serial. Like... Oh, right. I just, the companion and doctor relationship just wasn't there because they were hardly together. Like, from the start, yeah. Mel, Mel goes on the bus for some reason and Doc follows in the TARDIS. Why? I don't think they even yeah. had a conversation. She just gets on the bus and he doesn't. It's like, what the yeah. fuck's going on here? <laughs> That's true. And um, then he has another companion-ish 
for much of the story. What's her name? Ray. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And yeah, so much of it is like what seems to be just a cheap comedy thing. But I'm convinced it wasn't done as comedy. But it felt like, oh God, what was the <laughs> last of a summer wine? Like watching them going around on a sidecar all the time. Like it may as well have been a bathtub going down a hill. Like it, it was just that kind of stupidity of just like, let's show that scene again of them going around in a sidecar. Everyone will like that, won't they? <laughs> yeah, but in fairness, and the thing is, I don't ask for much, really. I really don't. But please, <laughs> please, please, can I have a motorbike with a sidecar? <laughs> because that is just the best thing ever. I would love to have one. And they make it look like so much fun. No, <laughs> I'm not, not, not going to swear on <laughs> it. <laughs> I do, they are nice little things and I think it's their uniqueness and how little you see them every time you see a motorbike and sidecar it's like oh well motorbike and sidecar yeah. that's nice yeah yeah I'll buy you that much but <laughs> the rest of it no <laughs> fair enough yeah I know exactly what you mean the fact that they're at a butlins the fact that they go to a holiday resort means that this entire serial takes on the air of exactly that kind of television right yeah. this is we're just a family having a weekend away and and, oh, aren't we going to get into some weird farcical scraps? Yeah, it's like a fucking carry-on film or something. Yeah, exactly. But the, the thing is, as well, and I don't know if it is partly the setting. No, it's not the setting. Like, they could have done something with this setting if they wanted to. It could have been interesting. They could have had, like, Murder on the Orient Express set in a Butlins. That would have been that more interesting. That is true. Yeah, that's good. But what they do is they have it set up so that no one cares about anything. Like, everyone in 1959, Wales, is so blasé about all these space people. The the fucking bus is a spaceship. And the first thing that happens is, oh, I'm a mechanic. Let me me help you out. And he fucking does. No, it's a spaceship. (laughs) I know. I added this as an introductory question as well. Why do Murray and Doc treat Billy the mechanic? Is his name even Billy, by the way? Why do they treat him as though he knows what the engine is and can be trusted with the only crystal in the galaxy? Uh, Yeah, I don't understand it. And how innocent we were in part one, because that's just (laughs) the tip of the iceberg. iceberg. Underneath the surface looks a gigantic (laughs) shitberg of plot holes (laughs) and nonsense. And it might be great. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, okay, no, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. But that's the biggest sin. I think, like, it's not necessarily saying why it doesn't feel like Doctor Who, but it's definitely why it doesn't feel like the Doctor, because the Doctor is the one that's guilty of this most often. He does it with yeah. Billy. He does it later on to try and convince them what's going on. He takes the camp leader and someone else, is it Ray, into the TARDIS. We don't even see them go in. We're just around the police box. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just being so blasé with the rules that have been established in the show. And like, of all the people to show the fucking TARDIS, to this random butlins guy it's like no he didn't deserve that fuck him yes yes absolutely okay hang on can i ask another question which might exonerate this to a degree and we absolutely do need to talk about this but within this context perhaps do you feel that the budget constraints are obvious I guess so. It's always because interesting. Because doesn't I... that in a way explain what you just asked about? Doesn't that mean Fuck it, we can't no. afford anything else? No. They can afford <laughs> a decent script. <laughs> 
like they can afford to just they can sit in a totally black room with one light bulb in the center of it and write a decent script and it would be better than this yeah that is true that okay yes i will grant you this yeah like they sent an entire crew and and a really big cast actually of people to wales to this this butlands thing uh i disagree I disagree. I think they, they sent a crew there. to Wales and then they just filmed whomever happened to be there at the time. Based on the acting skill? Yes, I would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So you're right. Billy Billy's just an earthling. He's a mechanic. He shouldn't... He, but this is the same serial in which that same mechanic looks at a, a fucking green baby and just goes, yeah, all right, well, your mum's fit, so I'm game, you know. He's more than game. He's like, ah, green skin, eh? Yeah, I, I could go for some of that myself, actually. I could go, yeah. I don't know you. You don't know me. I'm going to steal you. <laughs> I'm going to steal your weird alien chemical. It might melt me. <laughs> But we're together now. I'm your boyfriend. Yeah. Why at the end of the serial does she not go, no, you're, you have no discernible qualities that I would identify as desirable. You have no idea where we're off to. Well, it seems to be actually established, established at the end of this serial. He does have one key thing, and that is a penis. Because it seems that they need to right. repopulate oh. their race. And so he's going off Wait, to... Wait, is that a thing? Did I miss that? Help them with that. I'm pretty sure that was the vibe I got anyway. Oh my god, that's amazing. Podcast land, I apologize. In part three, I massively zoned out. And uh, yeah, I did not take in everything about this this episode. If I could find it and be bothered to read through a transcript, I would get some dialogue to back it up. <laughs> no, I'm not sure if I can do that. <laughs> that whole ending was just like cringeville. What does he she say? She seems at the to end? like him from the very start, though. Like, oh, yeah, the they dance. have little thing, yeah. And every, everyone's behavior is off. She is a princess from some alien world we know nothing about. They are at war. She's brought this egg with her because this egg means what exactly? The egg is the next monarch? Is that it? And still, she's happy to don a dress and kind of enjoy herself until the bad guys show up again. But she has no plan to go back there. <laughs> no, I mean, she's... She's literally fleeing people who are trying to kill her to wipe out her, her entire, entire species for whatever race. reason. Yeah. 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 And she's definitely she's not on board at start because Mel is trying to talk to her and she's just like, oh fuck off, Mel. Which I felt like was the right reaction in that in that moment. And then the next thing sure. you're right. We see her, she's at the dance wearing Mel's dress. It's like, yeah. hang on, someone skipped a scene or twenty here. <laughs> Yeah, by the same token, Mel, the aforementioned Mel, who is coincidentally roommates with this renegade monarch, just decides, oh yeah, I've just seen you give birth to a fucking cabbage monster. I'm going to have a nap. Is that okay? I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to have a nap and sleep until the next cereal, at which point I go, yeah, I was just tired. Fuck off, cereal. No, you just saw <laughs> a green monster get birthed out of an egg. There's something weird going on. You should probably pay attention to what's happening. At one point during the dance, she goes to Doc, they sit at the same table and she says, yeah, yeah, my roommate's got a gun. Let's just set aside the fact that you know that you're all aliens. If you're on Earth and you're having to bunk up with a stranger and that person in your room has a gun, your reaction is probably going to be less blasé than Mel B's. Your reaction is probably going to be like, yeah. can I have a different room, please? <laughs> what? Yeah, she's pushing the boundaries as well. It's both her and Doc. You're right. 
Because why the fuck is she even staying in that room? The tar- There's nothing wrong with the TARDIS. Dog doesn't go to the camp and suddenly go, all right, I guess I'll shack up with Murray, the bus driver. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. In fact, why is Mel embracing this environment at all? Why is she so happy, aside from the obvious BBC budget constraints, why is she so happy to go back to Earth in the 1950s? She's in space. <laughs> I think that there is some trivia we can get onto. I think this one Ooh. was intended to be a different slot. I think it was actually intended to be the end of season. This was going to be the but cliffhanger? Well, we're, like, pin, pin that for a second. Because <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, basically sorry. what is surprising is that this follows Paradise Towers. And she wanted to go yeah. to Paradise Towers because it had this amazing swimming pool, which we know was bullshit. Yeah. But it seems to be the same vibe. It's like, d- d- didn't you either learn from that one or have enough of a dip in the pool there that you, you don't want a holiday thing now? I don't know. Why are we getting the same setup, basically? Yeah, you'd think so. This is why I brought like, up the budget constraints before, because it feels to me like the BBC goes, you have all these ambitions. You want to do the stuff that you used to do on Doctor Who, but you can't. Here's what we can afford. A Butlins in Wales, and there's a swimming pool around the corner where you can film for a day and a half. That's it. Now write your story around that. And that's why we get yeah. stuff like this. That's my... That's, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, pretty damn sure that's the same quarry they've used in, I think, three serials now. And we're... <laughs> We're not long into the Seventh Doctor's run. And yeah, I feel like they were just, they got a package deal or it was like a good solid two weeks of just let's film a scene from every single serial in this quarry. (laughs) But to be fair, they've been doing that since 1963. At some point in 1963, someone went, hmm, location shot. How can we get a good deal? Right. Shoot the next 5,000 action pieces (laughs) here. Yeah, the I mean, uh, oh, the holiday camp was indeed a Butlins, as we keep saying. Barry Island, apparently. It doesn't actually say anything mm-hmm. about... I can't... Well, not on uh, Wikipedia, I can't say anything about the quarry. But it looked very suspiciously like the other quarries. Because quarries do look different, or you can film them from different sides and stuff. Whereas I feel like we've had the same quarry for the last few episodes. Probably. Serial theme. But yeah, okay, the trivia about where this was meant to be. So basically, the character Ray... This is all from Wikipedia. I haven't mm-hmm. verified how accurate it is, but given the time frame involved i'm assuming it's correct <clears throat> character of ray was being drafted as a companion i can totally see that so you were you bang on my nose earlier when saying that doc basically had a different companion for the serial but mm. the reason it was going to happen was because bonnie langford has said she wanted to leave and so they were already kind of like trying to get her out and the new one in oh but my god it was, it's apparently it was left a bit uncertain by the sounds of it like she said she wanted to leave but she hadn't decided whether she'd go at the end of season 24 or during season 25 and then this got rescheduled to earlier in the season than they planned but it was originally going to be i think it's sure i said it was like a six-parter at some point oh wow that would have been a very different story i'm sure but isn't that mad that she wanted to leave this is her hang on i'm I'm opening who back when one two three four this is her fifth story well they aren't doing a lot with the character since she's she's not involved really she came in that's true probably quite because we know the setup was we don't get backstory we don't get the relationship we're just straight in and she did she started that way like full of energy full of little little in jokes even with the doctor the sixth doctor at that point yeah exactly but then it's just been one note since then she's just been this lively person that doesn't really do a lot 
and screams all the time. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have any other questions you wanted to get out? I've got plenty. Oh my God, do I have a bunch. Since we're on that wave of let's talk about this character or that character, could you please do me a favor and explain the point of the two Americans to me? No, no, I can't. Of course I can't. (laughs) I was going to ask you. Of all the bumbling side characters, surely these ones don't even like make you excited because you normally you normally quite like these comedy duos. I do, I yeah. Normally I normally hate I, them. I absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that these are. This is not like Garen and Onstorf or, or no. like Long Glitz and uh, Dibber. Absolutely not. This is too. Come on, please. What's the retirement age of American secret agents in 1959? <laughs> what? Why are these two Jerry? running around the Welsh countryside looking for a satellite. What? Not one of them has a pair of binoculars, even. Like, <laughs> what are they meant to be doing? They, they have, have no, idea. no agency. <laughs> They're just bumbling around the countryside, allegedly in the employ of the government, always right next to the same TARDIS prop, which we'll pretend is a different police box, and phoning, just picking up a phone that is a direct line to, you would assume, the local Welsh police, and just going, right, can I please speak to the President of the United States? Yeah, this is Jim Bob. All right, great. And, and, And the point is to talk about a satellite, which barely factors into this? What, what, why are they there? Why are they there before there's even been a satellite crash? I have no idea. They're American agents. They were doing other stuff, I guess. And then they're, I don't know, the whole reason for being near that phone box seemed weird, didn't it? Because don't they get told about the satellite from that phone call? I can't even remember why yeah. they were meant to make the phone call. It doesn't, I, yeah, no, you're, you're right <laughs> Not to see any sense in that, because they walk up to a phone box. They are let. They've been sent there for whatever reason. The guy picks up a phone and goes, "Hi, can I speak to the president?" And apparently, the president's right hand man, I think, he, is what he says. Like, I just spoke with the president's oh, yeah. right hand man, which, by the way, vice president. Thank you. <laughs> that person just says, "So we sent up a satellite. It has gone off course. Keep an eye out for it. It's going to crash in your area." But they didn't know that vice. Mueller and what's his face? These two agents. We're going to call them now. No, that's very true. There's nothing. It's like go to Wales just in case something Welsh happens, and then when something Welsh happens, they do nothing. Yeah, they're just there. They happen to be. If you want to give them a reason to exist, I can only assume the reason to exist is to piss me off. Like, that's the closest I can get to a proper reason. (laughs) Can you talk me through what would have been a better implementation of these two characters, though? Or what would have been better had they been excised from the story? If they'd been excised from the story, nothing would have been lost. That's What does it matter? (laughs) Like... The bus hits a satellite. There we go. That's that's all you need. Yeah. They're not yeah. even. Wait, they why did I captured. even ask that question? You're so right. Yeah. Sorry. They get captured at one point. They are put into that weird neck chain lock thing, and yeah. then they're immediately released. Like that's right. They're not even really used as bargaining chips, are they? I d- I feel like the Bannermen no. have other hostages at the time. No. Like it, yeah, it's just nonsense. They really, do not need to exist. This is what much of this serial is like. There's also the case of the, whatever his name is, the Butlin's director, running up to save Melby's life when Gavrok Gravlax is about to blast Melby's head off. 
Oh, and he yeah, goes yeah. there and says very heroically, he doesn't say, take me, don't take her. He just says, take her hostage. <laughs> In brackets, leave me. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, take this poor woman, don't kill her. Use her as leverage. And then Gravlax never uses her as leverage. No, she just gets tied up and then immediately released. <laughs> Yeah, this is the last crystal in the universe. Oh, don't worry about it. I've got another one. It's just going to take a little while to fix it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bounty hunter. He's going to kill us. No, he's being killed. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so these are the two cliffhangers, because we only get two cliffhangers in this serial. Yeah, yeah, put me through your cliffhangers, dude. We haven't done this for ages. I'm only bringing it up because, like, the rest of this serial, they're fucking awful. Huh? Like, okay, there's suddenly a bounty hunter who's been on the bus, and he, yeah. what is he's he doing talking there? to the bannermen. Uh-huh. Like, it's fine. That's actually kind of... A nice little detail. He's gonna mm. he's gonna be like the infiltrator. He's gonna turn on everyone. Maybe he, maybe he's gonna feed them information. He's gonna be running like a covert operation throughout the rest of the serial, and they'll work out eventually. Oh, there's a spy amongst us or something. Oh wait, he <laughs> he um, he spots a docks there as well. He's like, oh wait, I can make my money even even bigger bucks, you know. And mm-hmm. no, start of episode two, he explodes. Yeah, that's, that's that right. Done. Okay. For the record, I really like that he explodes. I think it's really cool that they can just press a button and over the phone they can disintegrate a dude. Yes, that that is cool. But then suddenly we have the technology <laughs> put in front of us of just like, why aren't they doing that to everyone? Like, what? No, yes. no. And and with exactly. that cold blooded, why aren't they just killing everyone? Why are they talking at all? <laughs> and it's just, oh, you've just ruined so much more with this serial by blowing up this guy, you stupid fuckers. <laughs> yeah, and we never find out what he's doing there in the first place. Is he an agent of? We don't understand the politics of this this no. story. And and so why is there a bounty hunter there? When Gavrock later on, when Gavrock has just disintegrated said bounty hunter, he says something like, oh yeah, my bounty hunter is... I'm not going to share the profits with my bounty hunter, something like that. What, did you hire this guy? <laughs> but... What? Is he just like that lizard guy in, in Empire? Is that who <laughs> this guy is? <laughs> He's a lot shitter than Bosk, but I guess Bosk, it's a similar oh, well kind of thing. <laughs> oh, we There's another Star another... Wars reference here. Oh. Yeah, no, you do it. I'm just going to say how amazing this is to me, actually, because mm-hmm. one thing this serial has done is it brought yeah. a Red Dwarf and Star Wars connection to me that I didn't even realize existed. Oh, there's a Red so, Dwarf connection. Yeah. So the lead rock, lead Bannerman, yeah. is a general from Star Wars. That's right. I did write down his name. I, n- I never knew what his name was. He, general name Taggy. Was I also said. didn't know his name. Cassio Taggy. Yeah. Is that, is that how we're saying it? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, he also played a rogue simulant in Red Dwarf. And I never realized that was the same actor. And now he pops up in Doctor Who. He's just, he's got, what's the word? I don't know. He's got three things. (laughs) Well done, man. (laughs) The triumvirate (laughs) of glorious sci-fi. It's the cult sci-fi equivalent of of earning yourself an EGOT. Except it's only got three things. But yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) So that is... Or did you look him up? I recognized him. I recognized him oh, from well Red done. Dwarf. I didn't oh, well done. recognize him from Star Wars, which is why I've never made the connection, I guess. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I haven't seen Red Dwarf yet. I still only have seen a couple of episodes, but I absolutely agree with you. I also did not recognize him from Star Wars. And I think that's testament to how flexible this dude's face is and whatever prosthetics or fake beard or whatever it is that they've done with him. He does. He looks nothing like his character in Star Wars. No, 
It, it is interesting because I'm just double checking. This is the character I think of in Star Wars. Yeah, it is. Like he, he has. He's the guy who really... gives Darth Vader shit. Yeah, in, exactly. Uh, it's a new hope. It's a really scene grabbing moment, like where he's yeah. he's just like this Death Star is the most ultimate power in the galaxy, and he's really driving this home. Like he, yeah, he is so prominent in that scene, and I never in a million years realized that was the same guy. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. Anyway, but there, there were a couple of other moments I had actually with that, if you want to stay on cast. So Ken Dodd is in this. God knows why. Is he's... he the dude who gives them the prize? Yeah, he's on the toll station, gives them the prize, gets shot by by Ken Dodd. Really weird cameo. So who is he? <laughs> I, I recognize the name Ken Dodd, and I thought I recognized his face, but I don't know who he is. He's a comedian, in quotes, okay. from this <laughs> era. <laughs> I think he probably had his own show. I don't I don't really know much of his stuff. I think he was kind of aging out by the time I was aware of who he was. I think he had a thing about a feather duster or something. I don't know, you always used to wave at people. I don't know. I feel like his era was probably a lot earlier and this is the end of his career sort of thing. And that's why his character lasts for like two scenes. <laughs> right, yeah. But I imagine it was probably a big air of a... like it was a big name at the time. I don't know. Sorry, you go on. Well, well, I think exactly for the reason of, of what you just said, I, I was going to say, I think he has the air of one of those famous cameos. It's similar to Alexi Sale in whatever that mm. serial was called where it's someone who is slightly over the top he's super comedic but not in a funny way <laughs> not one of those two made me laugh once but no. very clearly this is someone who is just on screen to make you enjoy yourself and maybe if you're an audience member from this particular era and you're an adult and you're privy to their career up until this point, you will. And that's it. It doesn't It doesn't fit in with the story. It doesn't fit in with the ambience, but yeah. Yeah, so he was in it. Also, the camp leader, I got a twang of recognition from immediately. It's like, more than actually yes. when he was speaking. And the thing I landed on, which may not be what he is most well known for, I'm sure, but was he's a character. He's one of the guests in an episode of 40 Towers. Yes, I think I looked him up as well. Mr. White or something. Yeah, and it's just like, look, Faulty, we want our things. And I don't know, it's just <laughs> the way he speaks was just so recognisable. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I recognised him as well, but I didn't know where from. I also saw that he was on 40 Towers. I also mm. recognised Delta, looked her up, and then realised, no, I probably don't recognise her, but I have seen her and stuff because she's been... She, she, was, she figured in certain parts of my adolescence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll leave that there. <laughs> the only other, what do we get main cast-wise, is Ray, who I didn't recognize either. Uh, but I was surprised. Billy. Oh, and Billy. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. She's got to go around on a motorbike with Doc and yeah. pretend to be a companion. <laughs> yeah, fun fact, Sophie Aldred auditioned for the role of Ray. Oh, wow. That yeah. is interesting. That is pretty cool, I think. So that's why I'm saying that's another argument for why it makes perfect sense that Ray was maybe conceived of as a future companion. Yeah. I mean, setting aside the fact that Doc at one point goes, Mel B, stay here and do nothing of interest. I'm going to ride off into the sunset with this person I'm never going to meet again. So, yeah. That is really interesting interesting i wonder how this all played out because there's a note on wikipedia as well saying that basically the script editor andrew cartmel had decided to create a different 
companion, originally named mm-hmm. Alf, which gets then renamed to Ace. Oh, and right. I'm wondering if that, if that is timed around Sophie Aldred casting for this. And then it was written with her in mind. I don't know. Maybe. I have yet to see Ace properly. I've only seen Ace in The Power of the Doctor. Yeah. But I, I get the impression that she's kind of badass and gung-ho. And she doesn't wear, wear a leather jacket. She wears a bomber jacket. She's the 1980s equivalent of this 1950s rocker companion. Full companion. Yeah, yeah, true. Just to wrap up actors, we do also have Billy. I looked him up. I absolutely thought that I recognized him from something. I clearly did not. He doesn't even have a photo on IMDb, but he does have one famous credit to his career aside from Doctor Who. He was in Killing American Style with Robert Zadar, among other people, which is pretty badass. I don't know what that is or who that is, so... Robert Zadar, if you see a picture of Robert Zadar, he passed away a few years ago, unfortunately, but if you see a picture of Robert Zadar, you're going to go, oh yeah, that guy. He's the champ with the gigantic chin, as in... He's famous for his enormous chin. He was in Tango and Cash, in which I'm pretty sure Tango and or Cash even point out his enormous chin. He was in Samurai Cop, the Maniac Cop series. Probably lots of stuff that don't have the word cop in them. Yeah, he's a famous B-movie actor. Okay, I've looked him up. I don't actually recognize him. I guess I've not seen many of those films. Oh, dude, watch Tango and Cash. Russell, Sylvester Stallone, it's awesome. Sylvester Stallone calls Rambo a pussy. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay, so we've covered the cast pretty thoroughly there. Yeah. What else have we got? There is the plot. The plot. Uh, What can we say? It's nonsense. What? There's something I want to actually look this up in Chakotea. You know, there's the beekeeper, right? Yes, unfortunately, that is a character in the serial, (laughs) yes. There we go. I've already found the line. At the end of, or towards the end of part three, Goronwy, pardon my Welsh pronunciation, the beekeeper says, because he's been reading about bees. It's like, he's a fucking beekeeper. He's been doing this for decades. He's now reading a book about bees. All right, great. He says what he's just learned from a book. He says, and then you see the new young queen comes along and the whole colony swarms all around her and off they go to find a new hive a new hive and a new life what does that mean for the old queen because i'm assuming that delta is the old queen and gross green cabbage monster turned into white clad humanoid screaming girl is the new queen the young queen yeah oh yeah there is a moment where billy really looks like he's getting horny for the girl and it's creepy as fuck wait for the girl for the new queen yes when he calls her a princess he has the weirdest expression on his face and it's just like the fuck is happening now I think I missed that. Are you sure that's not just him going, if she drinks this weird, gross green formula, she's going to turn into a princess? Maybe if I drink this gross green formula, I will turn into a, I can't remember what they're called now, Chimeron. Chimeron? Shimmeron. 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 I've written it down, but I can't remember what it's pronounced. Oh. Yeah, that's that's one of those gross moments I just glazed over. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it is what's happening, probably. But until you get further in the scene and he steals the food. I can't remember if it is exactly the same scene or if it's separated, but it is around that that nature of it, I'm sure. But in that moment it just really seems like he's going like the line he says is will she grow up and to be a princess too but he says it like will she grow up to be a princess too like oof my love is, this he, is, some is she gonna look like nonsense. you and it's like <laughs> yeah 
because she's she's like about to uh... double her age in the next hour, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. what's she going to grow up to be?" It's, yeah, but yeah, it just seems really uh, weird. Have you watched and or read Twilight? I say read no. in citation marks because I don't know if that qualifies as literature, and if the act that you perform in order to ingest it can qualify as reading, but. <laughs> In that, there's Team Jacob, the werewolf, who bonds with a baby. Who's like, oh yeah, one of these days. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's in there. I'm not making that up. Oh, wow. I've only seen the films. Yeah. But anyway, going, going back to the whole bee thing. Yeah. I assumed someone had a point in this. It's so laboured that this beekeeper is there going on about queen bees and stuff. But honestly, what we see from the Shimmeron, I didn't get how it was related to bees. Other than the fact no, that we, they have a queen. Blur. Yeah, they have a queen. It's We get a little mini lecture by the beekeeper about the royal jelly. And I'm yeah. assuming that that weird green stuff that she's feeding the cabbage baby is royal jelly or her equivalent of it. And also the white clothes that she wears, as in that Delta wears, and that later on, in fact, the new queen also wears, and in fact, Billy, and Billy. also. Yeah, where did the that The pattern come from? in it, yeah, but the pattern in it is like a beehive. It, yeah. it has those, are they uh, octagonal, like, whatever hexagons? they are. Maybe the hexagons. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I didn't count the sides. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, so- they're obviously, they're trying to link this species with how bees recreate and colonize and stuff, I guess. But the only reason that they are this small group that's following the queen is because her entire species has been wiped out. Like, there's no evidence this is what normally happens. Like, she's fleeing with her child that's the last of their species. Like, this isn't normal behavior, as far as we're aware. And it's just... But now she's going to start a new colony somewhere with Billy. Yeah. (laughs) But but that also makes... So, the weird thing to me is that there is now a new queen because really what should happen is we should now have two colonies or we should kill delta because she's the old queen and i'm pretty sure that you don't get a beehive with two queens so the old queen should fucking buy it so why is she still around yeah it doesn't you don't get it i want to talk to you about the beekeeper because i think there's stuff to dig into there but before we jump into that maybe as a segue to that there is a point where delta this might be in one of their motorbike scenes delta is revealed to have something behind her ear. It's like a weird transmitter or receiver or something. And she's receiving signals from somewhere. Someone is telling her, come here, it's safe. And it turns out it's the bees. It's the beekeepers' Uh, bees who are telling them, come here, you're safe here. Which leads me to think she's a bee. Like, it's not just metaphorically, symbolically. Yeah. (laughs) That was just so stupid. It literally wouldn't stay in my brain as a memory until you just (laughs) said it. I had resisted remembering that because it was so dumb. Oh, the bees are talking to her. (laughs) The Hmm. fuck? (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh, this cereal. Oh my god, it's just, it's the absolute worst. Well, just as a counterpoint to that, was it not also immensely enjoyable? No! (laughs) No, No, not at all. (laughs) You get those fucking Americans popping up way too often, and they're really not even in it a lot, but they're still in it too often. 
Uh-huh. Um, Ray, Delta, and Billy cannot act at all. They're not at fucking all. Pain, painful. No in one every can single act scene. in this. I think the bus driver guy. He was. He was all right. Oh, can't leave the guy. Right. No, he is okay. Was all right with the kind of nervous energy stuff. You know, no one's yeah, brilliant. Okay. They're I not going to win that. any Oscars. Uh, Sylvester McCoy sure. is okay. Yeah, McCoy is all right. Mel, yeah, brr, nah, probably put her in the shit nah. acting camp. Actually. Ish, yeah, yeah. I think like, Ray so, is actually yeah. better in this than Mel B. Who Ray? You say? Yeah, she has I'm some gonna... terrible acting scenes though she has the worst <laughs> crying i have ever seen when yeah. billy locks eyes with delta or vice versa at the dance and then she's off ray goes off and cries in i don't know some kind of storeroom yeah yeah that was painful i've just done what i did in the last new who review and i've done a i've gone into the chakotea transcript and i've done a command f for some of the characters ray has 50% more lines than Mel B. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you weren't already thinking of leaving, this would make you want to leave, surely. Of course Body it would. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, back to did I at least enjoy this? No. How can you enjoy it when, you know, you've got poor acting in literally every scene? Because there's enough bad actors that one of them is in every scene. <laughs> And yeah. you've got literal one-dimensional baddies that someone went, let's call them the Bannermen. Okay, how do we get the idea that they're kind of like Bannermen, so they would rally around a banner without being too literal with it? <laughs> oh, fuck it, just give them a load of banners. I mean, stick a banner on their backpack. Yeah. <laughs> but, but boss, it'll make it really difficult for them to sneak up on their enemies. Yeah, but how are we going to know who they are? <laughs> While you're at it, what? make them all wear the sunglasses. <laughs> Oh, dude, that scene where they're wearing their red sunglasses, they're all wearing black, and they stick out their tongues? I was going to say, yeah. Like, how do we make it known that they're really aggressive? Yeah, we'll have them go, and stick out their tongues. That'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and how do, how do we make them like they're, they're spacefaring warriors they want to blow shit up what, what should we make their ship look like what if it was a flying tank <laughs> seriously this is how these conversations went the yeah. chats for making decisions for this serial <laughs> must have lasted like literally a lunchtime. it's just like okay yeah. we've ticked that one <laughs> off well, what next <laughs> pass me some beans will you <laughs> Every talking point is just a one-one done and concluded with a genius do it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know what? I really enjoyed the spaceship prop, though. I thought as an effect, it looked really cool. It was a nice interior set. It had a cool, the tanky bit of it, the cannon bit of it. Yeah. It isn't a cannon and it isn't a door, but for some reason it goes up and down anyway. It looks really nice. Well done, guys. I mean, it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's one thing about that, the interior of that tank, though, and also uh, the interior of the other spaceship that we get to see, which might be the same kind of spaceship. I can't remember. Does Mm. Delta steal the same kind of tank yeah i think so maybe they look slightly different i'm not sure but yeah i think she steals one of theirs because all their ships have been blown up oh that's true yeah no of course you're right because she also she kills one of the black clad baddies when she runs in there uh so i I do have a question in the future are there no on off switches what what does everyone break their dashboard when they want to turn something off 
Del- Delta goes into a spaceship, is on a call with Gavrok, shoots her screen. Gavrok is in his spaceship in a call, punches his speaker to smithereens. Like, no, just flip a switch. N- now how are you going to have a phone call? <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> you know what was also stupid? And another big kind of like, why, why are you just dropping this kind of shit into this universe? Normally, we get to enjoy the Doc being smarter than everyone. That's fine. Normally, we get the Doc being one step ahead. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Because normally, it comes with some charm or some little bit of extra information, maybe a little bit of hand-wavy, timey-wimey, techno-babble or something. But there are two points in this serial that pissed me off, amongst many others, of course. But, you know, with Doc doing stupid (laughs) things. One is he manages to spot this weird sonic barrier thing. Just like he stares at a twig, it seems, and goes, oh my god, there's a sonic barrier around the TARDIS. No one go near it. They're going to blow up. It's like, no. What? No. Ah. That was just ridiculous. Is that the twig that... I'm sorry to cut you off. Gavrok tests the sonic barrier by throwing a twig at it. So is that the twig? Does he see that and it's scorched? And he's like, there's clearly a sonic barrier. Maybe it looks scorched. We see it for like a split second. It looked like a twig to me. I feel like if they had, if it was on fire, (laughs) it would have been a better indication of, oh, (laughs) something's a bit sus here. But as it was, it was just like Doc goes, there's a twig on the ground. Bet there's a sonic field runner. But he's not even guessing. He's not even saying there might be let's be careful it's like 100 yeah. percent. he's like there's a sonic thing <laughs> or, or maybe it's not even sonic i can't even remember so that was stupid but the I real agree. thing that pissed me off with doc just doing stuff and us not really knowing and caring was his, he has this whole plan at the end he's just he's going around and taking charge of stuff they go back to the beekeeper and it seems like a he's spoken to the beekeeper before which i don't think we saw and they're on like first name terms and is like oh how you doing how's the bees how, how's the little jeff i heard he yeah he broke his wing and is he buzzing around again i don't know <laughs> jeff the bee <laughs> jeff the bee yeah <laughs> And yeah, it seems like he's he has this whole plan set up where <laughs> to the most obviously the foolproof way to trap a bunch of bannermen is to put a little rag under a door so they think someone's obviously gone through this door and there's some precariously stacked jars of honey and they're obviously all gonna burst through there at once and get covered in honey and then they'll get stung by the bees. To which there's no purpose anyway because they don't die or anything. They just come after you. So that is entirely yeah. pointless. But in the meantime, uh, this... we're setting up a rock and roll playing system for the girl to scream through. Oh, no, I'm I'm a bajillion percent with you. I'm a thousand million percent with you on this point. I also felt really bad for the beekeeper whose honey has just been ruined. Yeah. And that's not the only way in which they shaft him. Cabbage girl starts screaming and blows out all his windows at one point. No one ever goes... Yeah, this, this this dude's house is really drafty now, and he has <laughs> lost his legacy. But no. that's fine. <laughs> he can stay at the neighboring butlins. Can we talk about this beekeeper? What? This is not my observation. This is something that I just noticed when I copy-pasted across all the listener minis into our little Google Doc. Okay. Someone, someone pointed this out. I haven't read the minis, but someone pointed out, I believe I saw, that they thought he was a Time Lord. And... 
I wonder if that actually explains a lot. He's so incredibly the... he's incredibly clever. He summons a butterfly. Like he holds out his hand <laughs> and a butterfly is summoned. <laughs> yeah. He knows all about the aliens. He knows that Delta is a queen, possibly. Does he know he's... this? Oh, well. well, why else is he talking about royal jelly? Why else is he contextualizing everything that in itself contextualizes what's going on in the story? Clued up. Okay, to answer that last point, I would just say because someone wrote a shitty script and this character is just <laughs> lecturing everyone left, right, and center without any uh-huh. reason yeah, for doing that's so. That's a possibility. But also could just be really socially awkward and is just utterly obsessed with bees and will talk about bees to anyone, <laughs> even if they're not listening, which is fine. Uh-huh. That can be a character. Don't have an issue with that. I did see people talking about this as well. And I think there was something said along the lines of Doc saying he could imagine retiring and becoming a beekeeper. And I think I just saw a quote from Stephen Moffat or something where he kind of agreed that the beekeeper could be a future incarnation of the Doctor. Oh my god, that would be amazing. actually retire and become a beekeeper. Oh, here we go, yeah. 2015, Stephen Moffat endorsed the fan theory that Gronvi is a future incarnation of a Doctor and said that the idea fit well with the Doctor's line about retiring to become a beekeeper. Oh wait, that line comes from the name of the Doctor. Okay, so that line comes from a different future New Who serial. From the name Uh, of... So it comes from a Moffat story in which he says this because he's buying into this theory. Yeah, yeah. So he's... I love it! Making it canon almost. Dude, now, assume that that is true. The serial that we've just watched, that beekeeper is the doctor from the future, retired in 1959 because he knows that his past self is going to stop by at some point. He spent... 30 years harvesting honey just so that it can be dumped onto a bunch of aliens who are barely affected by it. Doesn't that make this just a tiny bit better? No, I'm sorry. No, okay, fine. I didn't get that from the serial. Like, until I read this thing on Wikipedia, I just felt like he was a slightly annoying character that didn't really fit in with the serial. I wasn't looking for him to be anything else. Not pun intended with the bee there. He was just, yeah, he was, he was, he felt as superfluous as the Americans, really. Like, he doesn't help anything other than his bees are there and his house is there full of honey. Like, he doesn't actually help. No, that's true. I don't think so, anyway. No, I I agree. The value of this character is largely added a post hoc in part by Stephen Moffat. All all was done pre-serial by, like you say, by giving 20 years of stock of honey (laughs) as a sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait until this guy goes back home after Doc and Mel B have left. And he goes, you've you've ruined my life. (laughs) This is is all I did. There's no value in starting from scratch. All his bees have, but all his bees have left the hive. Yeah. What is he going to do? He has nothing left. This poor man. He's fucked. He's going to go after work at the Butlins. Yes. Yeah. Am I right in, in understanding that this Butlins did not have a reservation for this group, right? Because they were expecting her to go to Disneyland. Yeah, there's some, it's like stupid, oh, there's a mix up, but we're going to assume you're the people that are actually coming a day later or two days later for some reason. Oh, right. Okay. Because at the end, right, right, the right. bus with the real group turns up. But yeah, it's multiple days later, I'm sure of it. And so why, why is the camp? leader just going oh you're that you're that busload of people we're expecting in two days yep 
oh, I've just seen my notes and just seeing the thing again of the Bannermen all just, oh, they're all crowded around that one door to the storeroom and then they all burst through at the same time. It's just, oh, it's so painful. This was a scene that I even rewound because I didn't know what was happening. I rewound it because I was in the process of doing the copy-paste thing. I watched the instant repeat and just went, I still don't get it, but I'm pretty sure this is what I just watched. I was convinced that that, that was toilet paper and that Doc oh, right. was tricking them into believing that he was in the toilet by running in, <laughs> taking toilet paper and threading it out through the door and then running off so that they would go, ah, we got him, guys. He's he's taking a dump in there. <laughs> and that would be the grand plan. Right. There are grander plans. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> Shall we address the umbrella in the room? Oh, wait, what's the umbrella in the room? <laughs> it is the umbrella debut. This is the seventh Doctor's question mark umbrella making its first appearance on screen is it wait so he just had a normal umbrella before and this is now the question mark one oh wait that's such a good point he did have an umbrella before didn't he yeah oh maybe i'm wrong i've written umbrella debut and i'm pretty sure i saw that in trivia somewhere it seems like he might have had baker's umbrella at the start all right okay cardis wiki says the doctor's question mark umbrella makes its first appearance mccoy preferred it to the question mark pullover i would probably agree i think i prefer the umbrella even one question mark is too much it's too many (laughs) but if you're gonna have a question mark and at least put it on an umbrella don't just wear a freaking just don't turn all of your outfit into a collection of them yeah yeah, I always kind of liked the umbrella in a, a weird way because it is toning something that already looks a bit like a question mark into a question yeah. mark. It's yeah, not just agreed. sticking a motif on a jumper, you know. Yeah. Interesting, though. Ooh, that get... Yeah. They're, hey, they're expanding this character. They're figuring out what he's all about. <laughs> they cave in an umbrella <laughs> with a question mark. <laughs> yeah. There were fewer of the expressions that he's mixing up. Do you remember in Time of the Rani, he was taking various aphorisms and or various sayings and just blending them. I can't remember a single one. It was like, a bird in the hand is worth something. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I only made a, a note a of one of them in this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I only made a note of one of them here and it was, there's many a slap twixt a cup and a lap. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was said in the context of there are plenty more fish in the sea. It's when Ray shows up at the end of part one and goes, oh, I really fancy this dude, Billy. And he didn't even give me the time of day. And he goes, yeah, there's many a slap twixt a cup and a lap. I see. That's another unfulfilled arc, by the way. This might be a good thing or a bad thing. In your run-of-the-mill templated story, if in Act 1, this is a three-act story, right? If in Act 1 you have these two will-they-won't-they characters, and she says, oh, I really fancy this guy. I wish that he would see in me the qualities that I have. Then you would assume that by Act 3, he's going to realize that she has all those qualities and go for her and leave the blatant babe aside. Ignoring the fact that she fucking lays eggs and is an alien and it's crazy and there's a war and best case scenario, she has a cloaca. So... In Act 3, you assume Billy and Ray are going to get together and Doc is going to wave goodbye as those two are sort of arm in arm going, yeah, hey, we found each other. We saved the universe and we found each other. But that doesn't happen. Like, yeah, it would have been cliche as hell, but I think I would have preferred it for the reasons you say. Why does Billy go off with fucking alien to 
Well, it seems start a hybrid species. Yeah, it's that ending yeah, it's so weird. strange. I just really wish that we had learned anything else, or rather, that Billy had learned anything else about Delta, and yeah. and vice versa. That Delta sees Billy for who he is, whatever it is that she's missing in her own world. Billy somehow represents that, and and that there's some value, some quality of his that she really appreciates. I I would have loved to have seen that. Instead, it is, as you say, he has a dick. He is willing to procreate. He has turned himself green. (laughs) And that's enough for her. And from his point of view, it's just, yeah, she's a fox. Obviously, I have no other ambitions in life. I'm young. I probably still have my family around, but I'm not even going to say goodbye. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Yeah. Very true. Yeah. No, it's bonkers. Yeah, absolutely insane. Imagine the post-credit sequence. They end up on planets Chimera, wherever they're going. New Chimera. Shimmeron, sorry. I don't know why I keep saying Chimera. But they go to wherever it is. They start a new colony. And and the first time that he says hello to anyone, he learns, oh yeah, this is that place where in this species, the standard thing is we say hello by pouring molten lead into each other's urethras. Just didn't, did no one tell you this? And he's like, fuck, what have I signed up for? <laughs> Maybe I should have asked one question. Even one. <laughs> Aside from what's your name. What's your name and does your standard culture's cultural greeting entail pouring molten lead into each other's urethra? No? Great. We're good to go. <laughs> I think you phrased that question in a less specific way. Because <laughs> maybe they just all we know. pour it in the anus. That's still not great. <laughs> Probably not. No, it's molten lead. It's really hot. Probably hurts. We know nothing about them. She might be a Tory. He might be a racist. There's nothing about these characters that has been conveyed to us that somehow indicates they have qualities that are desirable, let alone romantically so. I would actually buy he's a racist and she's a Tory, given the time frame he comes from and her wealth and privilege. (laughs) And her all-white clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have one last thing that I want I want to throw Please, out yeah. as a possible other universe destroying thing. Okay. okay, this nostalgia tours, that's what they're called, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, nostalgia trips, sorry. Oh, trips, sorry, yeah. So nostalgia mm-hmm. implies <laughs> they're in space. Yeah, uh-huh, so yeah. they have a spaceship. But nostalgia mm-hmm. implies yeah. they're not in 1959. Mm-hmm. They're not in space in 1959. They're not being nostalgic no. for their same, same time period. That's not how nostalgia works. Uh-huh. So this yeah. is a time machine. This is a time yeah. machine and a space machine. That's and right. it's just for tourists. And the Time Lords yeah, are okay are... with this. What? Oh, that's such a good point. I hadn't thought about that. N- it did also no. call on me that they are time travelers. <laughs> Like this, think, this is wow, they are fucking up history left sacred, right and center. Yeah, this is such a sacred thing. Like, if anyone gets a whiff of making a time machine, it's such a big deal. Like, the Rani is trying to make this massive time universe machine manipulator thing. It's like, fuck, no, it's bad enough she's got a TARDIS. Who else did we have? We had the Santarans, I think, trying to make a time machine at one point. And it's like, fucking hell, no. Yeah. No one else can have time travel. Yeah. Two we doctors. To, yeah. As these guys, they just pop it in a bus. And go on pleasure trips. Yeah, no you bet your ass they do. <laughs> <laughs> and then they rock up in 1959's Earth and just yeah. don't pretend to be like they're from 1959's Earth. They just go, hey, this bus, it's really a spaceship. Would you mind repairing it, please? Yeah, yeah. What's your beef, man? <laughs> <laughs> I know this is kind of the same point we did cover earlier, but it's the time travel aspect as well. It's like, no. You're so right. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They are messing with a timeline. Mel B should be morphing as we are watching this episode. Like, gradually, she is turning into a different person who looks different, whatever <laughs> else. Uh, because they are altering Earth's history. Yeah. And you couldn't even argue, oh, they're altering history on the other side of the pond where it might not affect wherever she's from. Because they're in fucking Wales. <laughs> Oh, man, they missed an opportunity. It could have been that Billy and Ray were her, I'm not quite sure of the time frame, just probably just grandparents, and they didn't meet, and yes. so Mel was never born. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, like, oh, they properly did Marty McFly this. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Have a dance. Have a dance at the Butlins. Wait, they do have a they dance have a at dance. the Butlins. <laughs> yeah, have Billy strum his guitar. And at, at a certain point, he looks at his hand and it's sort of fading out of focus. And like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Billy. A different generation. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I take your meaning. This is time travel. It is fucking with history. And it is absolutely touching upon something that only like a serial ago was utterly forbidden. Yes. Yeah. And Doc sneezes. There you go. I'm out. <laughs> when have we ever seen Doc sneeze? And it becomes a plot point because it gives him away. Anyway, <laughs> it wasn't Doctor Who. I didn't watch a Doctor Who serial just now. I swear. It was something else. <laughs> Fuck it all. <laughs> Let's rate this. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Shazamatron podcast land and welcome to the hour minis section of this podcast episode. Yes, it is I, Leon, not your main host of this evening, but I did lose, thoroughly lose, I should say, the fingertip on tip of nose game and thus I am going first. And right out the gate, I want to say, and the thing is, I know that you're not supposed to say this, but Jesus Christ, wow, is that one ugly baby or what? Wow, that really <laughs> took me out of it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Okay, on a serious note, there are a whole bunch of things about this serial that I I really enjoyed. I'm going to come clean. I really enjoyed it. Firstly, and not to sound like a sociopath, I really enjoyed the violence. Yais caramba is this series violence. Those green dudes who look like, they look like the plastic, do you have this? You know, the plastic toy yes. soldiers? Yes. Right? Oh, it's not just me. Yes. <laughs> no, oh, totally your friend that agrees argument. with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I half expected them to have their feet cemented into a similarly green yeah. plate. <laughs> they look like toy soldiers they are blasting the shiznit out of bros all over the place wow that intro is super violent there is a shot i can't believe we didn't talk about this there's a shot of one of the dead plastic toy soldiers getting his corpse bombed while delta runs past it and it's clearly just a just a green overall sprawled on the ground but it's so horribly violent and and not at all in keeping with the rest of the serial it is insane and the, it also sorry continuing down the sociopath line the callousness with which gravlax and his minions treat pretty much anyone who isn't toting a white piece of fabric that is <laughs> it turns out universal kevlar is off the chart. It is bonkers. Okay, less sociopathic. Here's another thing I really enjoyed about the serial. The humor. Remember the transformation arc at the start? Hilaria Lloyds. You say the acting is terrible? Yeah, you're right. But I raise you the deadpan delivery of the episode one, I think? Cliffhanger line? I don't just kill for money. It's also something I enjoy. <laughs> Had me in stitches. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's fantastic. We are in complete agreement. <laughs> this was not a Doctor Who serial. This was a really good Red Nose Day special. <laughs> and I maintain that there is something Douglas Adamsy about this, mostly just in the farcical nature of the plot progression and how characters just take for granted that something absurdist is blatantly true and obvious and you know just simply because it's been stated by someone on screen and in fact the transformation arch it feels particularly douglas adamsy actually now that i say it out loud sly mccoy delivering much of the good acting here he's definitely in the minority his companions all two of them combined account for about half of what a reasonable actor might perform in their sleep the foe is a caricature <laughs> The ancillary characters are moronic or at best mysterious. Thank you, Moff. But we could have done without them. That's a very good point that you made earlier. And the production value is, well, quite frankly, and tragically, it is telling of BBC and Doctor Who specific budget cuts. Greatest asset, a lust for life. Here it is, though. The biggest flaw, and I'm so sorry because we talked about this off-mic podcast land. <laughs> very aware that some of you enjoy this show to a great, de- a great extent. <laughs> the biggest flaw here is that this is a great three-parter of a different show. This is a great installment of the Kenny Everett show. Thank you for reminding me of the name, Jim. It's something else. Uh, And even though I have to admit that for entirely the wrong reasons, reasons that I have never consciously considered in the past, this may be some of the greatest stuff that we've ever reviewed on Who Back When to date. And despite the fact that I was thoroughly entertained, this is not what we signed up for. (laughs) And for that reason, and bear in mind, this is a scale of Doctor Who in general. This is a scale of 0.0 to 5.0. I'm giving this a... Oh, I'm not making any friends today. I'm giving this a really, really strong (laughs) (laughs) 1.1. Okay, okay. Oh my god, you're not making friends. Oh, That was really good. Thank you, Mr. Leon. That was... Yeah, you're welcome. You found some heart in this. Well done. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So, okay, my rating, I thought the best way of getting across how I felt about this was to basically just collect all of my negative notes together, and now I'm going to read them out to you. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle (laughs) buckle up. Here we go. Okay, where the heck is the TARDIS landed, and why do they have to pay a toll fee? Worst Mm -hmm. American accents ever. Some some of these notes I have done retrospectively, because we talked about it, and anyway. Nostalgia trips have space and time travel, and neither the Time Lords or anyone else seems to think this is a problem. (laughs) Billy doesn't even even slightly phased by the future tech, and everyone is happy to tell him all about it, including Doc. Yeah. And obviously, you have to imagine the passage of time through the serial, but surprisingly, not that long when I get to... Please, Bob, give the Americans a decent plot or stop showing them to us. Doc sneezes and gets spotted by the dodgy guy. Has Doc ever sneezed before? What the hell's happening? Why do we have to watch the wake-up guy start singing a song to wake up the guests? I don't actually want to be at Butlands, thank you very much. Doc shows the TARDIS to the camp leader and Ray. No, so much more deserving people don't get a whiff the TARDIS. Stop it. Closely followed up by... Literally, I wrote, make it stop. All of this is so shit. <laughs> Why are we watching a weird family picnic? Why are we watching Doc and Ray traveling around on a scooter? Why do those Americans keep showing up? Musical interlude, a shitty version of, I looked this up afterwards, a devil's gallop, which is the Dick Barton theme. Which Ooh. is the, yeah, for some reason that appears in this serial in poor uh-huh, form. Sounds- then have some successive notes of their literal bannermen running around with banners and then please bannermen kill the americans 
and then, damn it, they don't kill the Americans. The fuck? The bees are telling Delta and Co. to come over? The same shitty 50s traveling music every fucking time they get on the bikes. Since when is the white flag a universal signal of peace? We've covered that one. Why did the Batman do what Doc says and untie the prisoners? We've covered that one. Finally, the Batman turned the guns on Doc, Mel, and Co. Just killed them all and put us out of our misery. Nope. <laughs> Ray saves the Americans with a fucking Allen key. They have yeah, that's great. clamps around their neck of future space alien tech, and it's opened with a fucking Allen key. Anyway, hmm. it seems Doc has set up some elaborate scheme at the beekeeper's house, but I honestly don't care, as we've seen none of it. All of the Bannermen burst into a tiny room, and all of them get covered in honey, and that somehow makes the bees attack them. And then the final summing up, Billy gets to say, let's make this baby fly, as they sail off into the sunset. Yeah. And yeah. I honestly no, just please never again. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break down my rating before I give you the number because I'm gonna give this zero point one for learning that Don Henderson was in Star Wars, Doctor Who, and Red Dwarf. I appreciate this knowledge. Thank you. Zero point one because the Doctor is actually in this, and I think he is the only half decent thing in this. So very good. Zero point one for the green guy getting shot in the back. Leaning into what you were saying, Leon, very early on, gets shot in the back. You get to watch him very slowly slide down the console in absolute coldness of just like holding that frame. Dude just absolutely buys it. That's it. I'm giving this zero point three. <laughs> what? <laughs> Point three. I uh, I I oh. could not. I really could not. <laughs> I admire your integrity. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, that everyone was a fantastic... out there listening who enjoyed this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a solid mini and a perfectly valid rating. The thing that you brought up about the Allen key, I think that was a call, it, not I think, it was a callback to when she had the the wrench or whatever it was, I can't remember what it was, in yeah. the beginning when they're fixing the bus, the bus spaceship. And I can totally see that as something, if she had turned into a regular companion, I can see that as being kind of a shtick. So whenever they go into some situations, like, oh, if only we had a insert item here, and she goes, oh, I got one of those and it's just in her bag i mean maybe but i mean maybe, you've done yeah. any diy and you needed an allen key and how yeah. often do you have the right size allen key scale Never. that up to this is technology made by a different species yeah yeah and honestly i'm Ikea. getting was... angry just thinking about it <laughs> Yeah, but this was a flat pack neck restraint. <laughs> oh, I see. It was an IKEA yeah. neck restraint. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that was what we thought. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's find Better out, find uh, out what, what someone else thinks. Yeah, we'll see what Podcast Land thinks. Eh? Yeah. yeah, let's do that. This is now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max to fifty, or it would get out of hand. Oi, oi, you lucky people. You made it once again to that section of the podcast that we call Listener Media. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. We have got a grand total of, I'm not even just, I'm not going to tease you. I'm going to get straight to the point. No preamble, not even going to talk around it with extra words or anything. <laughs> just straight down the middle, just going to give yeah. you a number. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we just, we can't, we can't tease too much with this because it's such a big no. number. Is it five? It's not five. It's more. No, no. It's more. I, I said I'll just get straight to it. It's 30. Yeah. It's, you're right. It is 13. Is this a record? This might be a record. Could be. Yeah. It's an amazing number. Thank you, everyone, for writing stuff in, sending yeah, stuff thank in, you very writing much. stuff, sending it in. You know how you did it. We are going to read three of you in full. And the first one we've got is Isaac. Hello, Isaac, who I believe is one of these. New reviewer. Hello, Isaac. Welcome. Welcome aboard the Starship Who Back When. <laughs> I've never said that before. That's a weird way of phrasing it. <laughs> Welcome. Hello, Isaac. Welcome indeed from me too. Isaac, what do you say? You say, now that you're into the gonzo bonkers insanity of the Sylvester McCoy era, I'd like to jump onto the exploding tour bus and start reviewing. <laughs> Delta and the Bannerman is all over the place and definitely needed another episode to get the story time to think of it. But I love how innocent and charming this story is. It's a real kid-friendly adventure, even if the Bannermen are overly brutal and perhaps a little too scary for the story they're in. And McCoy really shines as a Troughton, Whitaker-esque, chaotic but good-hearted dork dork. Oh, nice. Ray is a great companion of the week, leaving Mel to hang around with the most extroverted and unbearable alien Taurus of all time. Delta has a massive heart to fall in love with a quiet rock star who took her on one no food or drink picnic <laughs> and drank all her daughter's growth formula. <laughs> yeah, definitely true. Was the beekeeper the curator? Perhaps those spies would have a better chance of spotting something celestial at night time. <laughs> yeah, good point. Why is everyone in 1959's Wales so chill about the green baby? Excellent question. Was the actor playing Gavrock wearing odd prosthetic gloves or are his hands just weird? Whoa, I did not notice that. Did you notice that, Jim? No, no, not at all. Oh, <laughs> taking your word for it here, Isaac. Overall concludes, Isaac, this isn't a shining example of this era, but there's a lot of harmless fun and i'd love to see the bannermen come back one day so isaac gives this 2.8 out of 5 nice nice oh isaac so happy to be traveling down this temporal road with you this is fantastic stuff people who are not isaac you better be heading across to twitter as i am doing right now in real time click i just hit follow peeps you should also follow isaac on twitter isaac can be found at ms monster Adams. Good stuff. Thank you, Isaac. Welcome on board Thank again. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. Who's next? Next up, we got Daniel McGinley. It's Daniel. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. <laughs> <laughs> that was never going to work with the delay anyway. <laughs> His name is Daniel. Daniel McGinley. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Daniel starts off, the Doctor and Mel go rock and roll. It's very easy to fall on the wrong side of the line when attempting light-hearted who, but Bannerman succeeds in staying on the good side. It's a wonderful story that's bright, breezy, and above all, charming. 
I'm sorry, Daniel. Daniel continues. <laughs> the main thing you notice with it is the difference it makes when the cast gets fleshed out. There aren't many stories with such a plethora of side characters, all fully developed with little bits of backstory. All the actors do a sterling job. Shout out to Don Henderson as Gavrock, especially Definitely. for eating with such menace. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Chomping down on just like raw pig, it looked like. Yeah. I think it was a lamb's leg. I looked it up. Oh. It's some of the most revolting shit I have ever been forced to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a great scene that is with the Doctor. Daniel continues. It's a show-stealing performance from Hugh Lloyd as Gronovi too. The Doctor was quick to get rid of Mel in favor of Ray. It's a shame she didn't make it as a companion full-time. Ken Dodd could so easily have been a disaster, but was used only sparingly and killed off quickly. You can see his pink jacket at the Who Museum in East London. It's well worth a visit. Oh, I've been to that place. I didn't know they have his jacket there. That's very cool. <laughs> the location work is excellent, really adding to the feel of the story. I'll even say that the music is fantastic. Here's to the future is an absolute banger. I don't know what that is. Is that the song that Billy plays maybe? I don't know. The cliffhangers sure. are decent too. There's a lot of stuff we just have to agree to disagree here, Daniel, but fine. Definitely. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Daniel concludes, you can't help but feel good after watching this. It's it's the best seventh Doctor story and gets a rating of 4.3 out of 5. Just lovely. Wait, this is the best? This is the best seventh Doctor story, says Daniel. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see the rest. This is going to be such a hoot. Daniel, fantastic. Thank you so much. Excellent mini, as always. People who are not Daniel can follow Daniel online, I believe. Firstly, he's available on Twitter. Right, Jim? You are quite right. Daniel can be found at Daniel J. McGinley on Twitter. Yeah. And also on Instagram can be found at where? That's right. Oh, well, I'm glad you asked because Daniel can be found on Insta at planet underscore of underscore giants. Nice. Go there Thank and you, feel small. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> next. Who's uh. next? <laughs> Why, it's none other than Tans. One, two, three, four, five, six fingers. Hello, Tans. Hello, Tans. Greetings, Hubak Wen Farm. Begins time. Greetings to you. I thought Delta and the Batman was a great concept and had a lot of interesting ideas. Sadly, I think the low budget handicapped it. As far as the plot goes, I thought it was innovative. On the one hand, you have a genocidal war coming to its end and a lone survivor fleeing for her life from the evil Bannerman. On the other hand, you have a group of alien tourists time-traveling to 1950s Earth, where they coincide for Doctor and Mel arrive, and they all meet at Camp Shangri-La, where Billy ditches his girl Ray for the alien princess. More of a period piece than a quasi-historical, says Tans. They should have left out the Americans and their subplots, but at least they used American actors. I thought that. Sorry, time out, Tans. When you said, Jim, when you said worst American accents ever, I thought, wait, I thought they were American. And it, oh, yeah, it turns out. I'm sure they are, but they're doing a 50s American troll. Like, that is, yeah, that's very true. I, they're like, they're Americaning themselves up to the hilt. Yeah, sorry, that is a very good point. Tans continues, I wonder if the serial name was inspired by the pop group Echo and the Bunnymen. 
Apparently it was. Yeah, maybe. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I noticed that in the trivia, yeah. Nice. The opening scene of Delta escaping gave me vibes of Destiny of the Daleks and the Movellans. Did anyone else get that? Now that you mention it, yeah. <laughs> I love the Vespa and the vintage motorcycle. Yes, here's my friend who agrees with me. Simply loved that opening with Murray dancing through the transmogrifier to look human. Too bad they didn't have any money left for decent makeup. Yeah, fair. Mm-mm. Tans continues. Don Henderson Gavrock also appeared as a rogue simulant in an episode of Red Dwarf. Yes, he did. He was also the <laughs> Imperial officer of a Darth Vader force chokes in Star Wars. Yes, he was. Oh, yeah. Ray was written to become the next companion, but the timing didn't work out. Sophie Aldred also auditioned for the role. Indeed. Mm. So, in conclusion, Tan says I give it 3.8 growing Shimmeron babies out of 5 because I think the production and editing are the only reason it didn't do well. Yeah, and he signs off build higher for happiness. <laughs> so I guess we're still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Very nice. Good stuff. Tans, excellent mini. Really excellent mini. Holy smokes. Oh, people have really huge hearts. Yikes, yes. caramba. People who are not Tans can follow Tans on Twitter at Tans6Fingers and on Insta at Tans6Fingers. That's right. Thank you very yes. much, Tans. Thank you, Tans. Right, right. Now we are going to whip through other people's more numerical opinions. Less of the words. That's right. <laughs> Unless you're Tracy from Tracy America. from America. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Tracy. Because as we all know, Tracy gives ratings along this kind of line. MG, Mel, stop screaming. It's just a baby. Perfectly encapsulates this cereal. <laughs> maybe a one out of five, I guess. <laughs> Something like that. 1.1, maybe. People who are not Tracy, please tell Tracy hello from us. She can be found at... <gasps> yep. That's Fountain Tracy backwards. Almost. Who's next? Thanks, Tracy. Next up, it's Stephen Stephen from from Canada. From Canada. Damn it, I got the song wrong. (laughs) What were you singing? I'm not 100% sure what I was going for there. I'm so sorry, both Stephen and Jim. (laughs) Stephen says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and says, overall, this story earns 3.8 vaguely Tom Bakerish beekeepers out of five. Mm, Yeah. Good stuff. Another big heart. Yeah, indeed. People who are Stephen, say hello to Stephen online. Stephen can be found at S. Andreachen. That's right. Thanks, Stephen. Who's next? Next up, it's the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zunich. Hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. Peter summarizes Delta Rocks and gives this 4.3 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> Peter is not available on Twitter, but as with all of these, please head on over to whobackone.com and read his mini in its full splendor because it also rocks. Thanks, Peter. Who's next? It's Mr. Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello, Kieran. Kieran says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and concludes with, despite it being an episode shorter, I find this more of a slog to watch than the previous one. So with that in mind, yeah, 1.8 out of 5. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We found found someone who is more on our page. Thank you, Kieran, for making us not think we're totally crazy. <laughs> People who are not Kieran, stop driving those gas-guzzling vehicles. Head on over to... What, Jim? They can head over to KJ Evans, too. For all your Evan needs. That's right. right. I changed the theme tune accidentally. No, I, I like it. Went more late nights with Jim. <laughs> 
you, Kieran. <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. <laughs> Who's next? Next up, we've got Michael Ridgway. 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 Hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. Michael gives this, you will be absolutely gobsmacked. Five <laughs> out of five obliterated green alien people. Even their corpses were being blown up for good measure at the start of episode yes, one. Yes, that's right. How did that get past the censors? Were they even watching this show anymore? Uh, wouldn't be not. surprised if they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I well, fear your rating system may have broken, Michael, but thank you indeed for the words <laughs> and the thoughts. <laughs> people who are not Michael, please congratulate Michael on his enormous heart. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. And may I say, so big. Who's next? Next up is Neil. What up, Neil? <laughs> Neil says, oh, it, there's so much love and enjoyment in this mini. He says all of that stuff, snip, snippity, snip, snip, and concludes with, there's still a way to go before we get to the really ace, seventh dog stuff. But to me, this is such a great, big, fat dollop of enjoyable entertainment. And Neil gives this 4.1 out of five. <laughs> Wowzers. <laughs> Wowzers, wowzers in my trousers, Neil. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> People who are not Neil, please follow Neil online at Neil Andrezone. And on Instagram at Neil Jam E Sactor. <laughs> Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> Who's next? Who's penultimate? Ooh, why? It's Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. Yay. Hello, Ed. Ed gives this 2.2 unnecessary tourist bus massacres out of five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets blown up. I forgot about that bit. <laughs> That is true. That's It's tragic, and it's so brutal. Oh, my God. Yeah. 2.2, you say? That is twice what I gave this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupidly large multiplication of what I gave this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Thank you very much, Ed. Who's next? Next up is Ollie Raven. What up, Ollie? Welcome back. Ollie says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and concludes with, overall, wow, 3.8 winning raffle tickets. Might need to consult a physician about my severely enlarged heart. Yeah, I I'll say. You might want to go pretty soon. There seems to be a queue forming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Ollie. People who are not Ollie, please head on over to Instagram and follow Ollie at... Foggy Doctor Who. That's D-R, That's... as in the honorific, not, not the word Doctor. <laughs> That's the right. D and the R of Doctor. You know how it works. Thanks, Ollie. <laughs> Who's Ollie. last? It's... JP! I say J, you say P. J. P. J. P. Yes, right. Hello, JP. <laughs> Hello, JP. <laughs> I really miss doing that. <laughs> Uh, hello, GP. GP gives this 2.1 beekeepers that look like Tom Baker. He's not alone with that nice. regard. Nice work, GP. Thank you. Yeah, very nice. People who are not GP need to head on over to Instagram and the YouTube Roonies, where they can find GP at what, Jim? Finding G spots. Ooh, I. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, that was it. Thank you very That's much. The listener GP. minis. Thank you, yeah. everyone. Thank you, GP. Yes. Thank you, everyone else as well. Good yes, indeed. Stuff. People whom we snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip today. Apologies. Everyone else, head on over to backwinner.com. Read all of these minis in their full glorious splendor. Indeed. Well, that was Delta and the Bannermen. Oh, yeah. But we will be back. As oh yes at the end of some of his films oh, yes yeah. in the classic channel the next thing we will be tackling will be Dragonfire. that's right if memory recalls this is the one with a literal cliffhanger that's right yeah i was gonna say i'm only aware of this because of i want to say a couple of articles in the article archives on who back when which yeah you're right i still haven't picked it up apologies podcast land but yeah literal cliffhanger you're gonna have a blast with that one dude you love a cliffhanger <laughs> Oh, yeah. This could be amazing. (laughs) Before we head there, though, we're going to head into the New Who territory with the Timeless Children. You're going to have fun with that one. (laughs) Well, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Depends on your definition of fun, I think. Yeah, we're going to have something with that one. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, we might do an audio Who as well. What's that going to be of? I believe that will be Doctor Who redacted. That's right. And there will probably be a bonus at some point in the future, because bonuses bonus their way in as a bonus, you know, from yeah. time to time. Uh, as Drew pointed out, it may be the very last blooper reel of this podcast. We don't know yet. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Some people have reached out about this. We don't know what's going to happen when we catch up with Doctor Who. It's like finding the edge of the universe and touching it. You don't know what's going to happen. It might be the start or the end of something beautiful. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> we might all get turned into spaghetti. Yeah. That's right. If in the meantime, you can't wait for all of that stuff, you can reach out in the Twitter sphere and find Leon. You you can be found where, Mr. Leon? Why, thank you for asking. Yes, I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N, where I send nary a tweet ever. <laughs> but I am available for conversations. If anyone wants to chat, say hi. I'll say hi back. What about you, Jim nice. Cakes? I, I can thoroughly recommend it. He's a very... Very good chatter. <laughs> One tries good. to be Sorry. a convivial chap, you know. <laughs> yeah, myself, you can find me on Mastodon. I can be found at jimmy at the whatnow.eu. You know what, actually? I encourage lots of people to investigate Mastodon just to see what's what, because it feels like nice, cozy, exploring fresh lands and everyone's really friendly. Like a few people just kind of popping up and going, dude, really love your podcast. It's like, oh, that's really nice. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is lovely. So uh, if anyone else wants like to do that, of Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know where to find me. And that wraps it all up. You've been a wonderful audience. You mm. always are. I tell you this, I don't think you believe it. You really should though, because you are just fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> don't go changing and see you. Yeah, rock on. Be around excellent. And cha ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at whobackwhen. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?